Hey everybody, welcome to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast, dedicated to raising awareness, sharing IBD stories, and offering support for those with Crohn's and colitis. Together, we can share knowledge, experiences, and help show the world the many faces of IBD. Well, hi everyone. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gish, Crohn's warrior since 2006 and lifelong fitness fanatic. My guest today is Ryan Van Voorhees, who is diagnosed with Crohn's disease in high school and has been living with an ostomy for the last 15 years. Inspired by the healthcare team who helped him through the early years with Crohn's, he decided to pursue a master's in social work. He has served as a camp counselor for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation's Camp Oasis, and two years ago, he left his career in social work to pursue his culinary passion. You'll now recognize him and his best friend as New Dude Food, who specialize in anti-inflammatory diets and menus for their clients. They now travel around the country preparing amazing meals and also raising awareness for Crohn's and colitis. Thank you so much for joining me today, Ryan, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was probably the best uh, intro and one minute synopsis of my <laughs> life and career. So when this uh, goes live, I'm definitely going to have to use that because that was that was amazing. <laughs> awesome. Well, you've made it easy because you've been doing great work. So <laughs> you did well, the hard you. part. Thank you. <laughs> well, so before we get into talking about your new company, New Dude Food, and what it is and how that came about, first start by telling me your Crohn story. Sure. Uh, like you said, I was diagnosed in high school uh, way back in 95, 96. I first started having symptoms. Uh, I remember in freshman year, just a lot of pain and kind of those, you know, normal symptoms for any new diagnoses, cramping, bloating, you know, upset stomach, diarrhea, um, nausea. And back then, although it wasn't that long ago, Doctors really didn't know exactly what it was. They, you know, did tests all over. They did colonoscopies, put me on steroids immediately, which sucked being uh, mm -hmm. a freshman in high school, having all like the water weight and all the side effects that come along with steroids. Uh, so it really, it took about two years to get an accurate diagnosis. And that happened to be uh, by me coming up to the University of Chicago, uh, where I live now. But the hospitals here just were more adapt to, to, to work with the disease. They had more experience than uh, my smaller hometown of Peoria, Illinois. Uh, so I was finally diagnosed after two or three years of trying every trial medication and again, being on steroids on and off almost my whole high school career. Uh, but nothing really ever seemed to be a great fix. You know, they could tell it was Crohn's. I had active Crohn's for quite some time. Um, but it wasn't until college that they really pursued any type of surgery or maybe long-term kind of remedy. For years and years and years, they tried every medicine, again, all the trials and things like that. Just I think back then, you know, surgery was maybe seen more of like a last resort. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I went on every medication and unfortunately most times had severe negative reactions to um, say like Remicade. I stopped breathing once when I took that and luckily it was administered in a hospital. So I went into like anaphylactic shock. I've had numerous allergies to medications that have given me pancreatitis and all these different things. So um, finally junior year of college, it was just, it was so bad. I had no quality of life at that point. I've been dealing with it for five or six years without kind of any true relief, uh, no remission really. And it just was yeah, affecting every aspect of my life. I wasn't able to work out. I had extreme fatigue, you know, poor self-esteem and self-confidence. Um, you know, the biggest thing pain wise was just, you know, the urgency of needing to go to the bathroom. I mm -hmm. had numerous accidents. I, you know, my early college years worked as like a, a flower delivery uh driver and so i did some landscaping but also driving in a, a truck kind of long hours and driving all over town um so always kind of on the on the lookout for uh, a bathroom was like my biggest fear is like if i have to go like i need to go right now and so um yeah come college it was just getting to a point where 
zero quality of life. I was sitting on a toilet 18, 20 times a day and excruciating pain and um, nothing really seemed to help. How did you deal with the mental aspect of that? That had to be pretty frustrating and depressing to to not find any relief out of all the different medications. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I think that um, that's the biggest thing that I've kind of taken from all of this, my all my Crohn's journey, you know, both positive and negative. It's just my mental outlook on it, you know, for a lot of those years. Yeah, it wasn't good. I mean, it, it didn't ever, you know, get me to the point where I was super depressed or anything like you know, severe, but I, I, it definitely affected me socially. You know, I, I didn't want to go out with friends. I, you know, in, in a typical high school or college, you know, experience, I, you know, I would go out to some, you know, football games or do certain things, but never one to like try any drugs or alcohol. Cause I'm like, I'm in so much pain already. I don't know what this is going to do to my body, you know? So for, for those senses, it wasn't like, you know, again, the ideal time to experience this and have all these side effects. But um, I mean, I had some good friends and, and Seth, who we'll talk about later, is my business partner. We met in high school. Uh, he, he was my uh, co-partner and uh, a driver's ed car. So we sat in the back seat of a car and bonded over that. And so uh, we went to different colleges, but we still kind of were close. And um, outside of that, yeah, my, my doctors in Chicago, uh, were great. I still kind of keep in touch with them, like my surgeons after once I finally had surgery. Uh, they're just a great, great group of people. And even uh, in some of the harder years I had, you know, I'm not scared of it. I had a counselor. I would, I would see uh, like a therapist to help me deal with it because as a 15 to 16, 17 year old young man, um, I had no idea, you know, what to do. And I, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'm trying to live out my high school years, let alone deal with this like at the time, debilitating chronic illness. Mm-hmm. So that, that helped a lot. Uh, and just those experiences with helping professionals, whether it was a, a therapist or a doctor or a nurse, really kind of shaped my college ca- career and career path to go down something like that and be a helping profession. Um, of course, my, my parents were always around. My parents, uh, personally, they split when I was three or four, but I'm still close with both of them. They live, my dad lives in New York. My mom lives in Florida now, but my dad is a fireman. So, you know, he, you know, he did a lot of my um, wound care and recovery, stuff like that, because he was trained as a, as a paramedic and firefighter. So, yeah, I think the biggest thing for me and even still to this day and anyone that I talk to with the disease, um, whether in a, a good place or not, is just the support system is like critical, critical because when you're in a flare, when things are really bad, you know, personally, I try to like take on as much as I can and do everything myself. But in times, it's, especially when you're sick, you know, that you can't do everything and you need someone and it's very humbling and I'm stubborn still to this day, but having that support system, um, you know, someone that can kind of take some of that uh, burden off your shoulders is, is, is super important to maintaining some positive mental health. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. So tell me a little bit more. So junior year of college, you were um, kind of, I think, is when surgery was starting to come about because you still hadn't yeah. found any relief. So pick up that story and tell me, tell me how the ostomy came about. Was it expected? Was it something that was an emergent surgery or did you have time to mentally prepare for that? Uh, yes and no. So um, it just got to the point in my junior year that I was so sick. I'm, you know, doctors in Chicago, um, you know, had kind of done everything they could. They didn't know really what to do next. So they suggested going up to the Mayo Clinic, um, but I couldn't get up there until of all times spring break. So my spring break of junior year of college was not to like, in my city beach or some cool place, I was up at Mayo Clinic chugging loads of barium and all this, mm. uh, all the different things. So they did all the tests up there, um, and pretty immediately found that my large intestine, um, which should, from what they told me, which should be, you know, like the diameter of a garden hose, say, with a lot of, you know, a lot of freedom and space to move your your bowels through. Mine was like. Um, like a shoestring. So wow. by the time they saw that, 
there, there was without a doubt, they said, if you want, this is irreversible, um, probably because of all the years of medication and just six, seven years of treatment without really looking outside of, you know, a colonoscopy, but no surgery had ever been done. So all mm-hmm. that time, the disease just got worse and worse and worse. And so, um, it was immediate that they're like, if you want any quality of life, like this is your only option. There's no reason to try other medications. Um, surgery is the way. And so that was a big shock, uh, just even hearing those words surgery. But at the same time, I was in so much pain and had, like I said, zero quality of life. I just wanted to feel better. Um, so in a, in a way, I didn't have a choice, but also that was a positive because as now like an 18 or 19 year old young man, I, who would want that choice to like, Hey, you're going to be permanently different. You know, I won't, I don't even like to say disabled or anything. It's just, it's, it's something that, um, is going to be with you the rest of your life and life changing and physically changing. And, um, it's not easy, but at the same time, the end goal for me was to get my life back. And, that's the only thing that mattered to me. I, I could get past any, you know, physical differences or, you know, change eating habits or lifestyle. It was all about just getting my life back. So I finished my junior year. And then right after that, uh, came up to Chicago, had the surgery. Uh, and honestly, looking back, it was the, the best kind of day week of my life. Um, had the surgery was, inpatient for about two weeks just because of the surgery just cutting through your abdominal wall you almost feel like you have to learn to walk again and mm-hmm. eat, and eat and things like that and even just getting used to the ostomy and changing the bags when that wasn't that wasn't even the hard part it was just physically being able to be mobile again when i was up there i think i got off almost they weaned, started weaning me off almost all the steroids i was on i've never been on any since then wow um the only problem at that point was like a day after surgery, I had some redness around my staples. They thought maybe it was an infection. So they decided to take the staples out. Um, sure enough, no infection. It was maybe like a tape allergy, just some redness. But unfortunately, once they took them out, they can't place them back in. So I had to heal almost all summer um, with this probably two inch deep wound all through my abdomen that I had to pack a couple times a day. Um, so what started, what should have been a very quick recovery turned into a long couple of drawn out months of recovery. Um, but again, like I, I made the best of it and senior year went back uh, and yeah, totally, you know, healthier lifestyle. I was able to, I mean, it took some work and some time to figure out, you know, just, eating and the biggest thing is just hydration you know i was going to Mm -hmm. the bathroom a lot less but um because you have you know half a digestive system now you're not getting all your nutrients everything is you're losing a lot more water so i struggle a little bit um to stay hydrated but as far as like energy and activity wise I, i you know started getting healthy again and back in the gym and seeing more friends and you know so not only physically feeling better but mentally too um you know despite having me back like that was the most important thing to me was just feeling feeling like i wanted to feel on the inside all those mm-hmm. years now since the surgery since you've had that do you still suffer from any flare-ups and then do you still take any medications um, no flare ups, no medication. Um, however, I have had about three major surgeries since then. Um, one was the next year after that. So I graduated from under, undergrad, moved up to Chicago for grad school, uh, to get my master's in social work, but I had to have a resection. So I had like a foot and a half of my large intestine or whatever was left or small intestine taken out. So that was a, a, a quicker recovery because I knew what to expect. But again, still going that, going through abdomen, take it all, take some more out, staple you back up. Um, then that was about 2004. So I'd had, I'd had, they asked me like a year and a half there. They went back in, took another foot out. And then uh, I had, just because of all the surgeries, and the severity of it, taking, you know, colon, rectum, anus, everything out, they never really could close up 
my bottom and just due to gravity and sitting on your sitting all day or whatever you're doing, I had a lot of drainage for a long time. So uh, eventually it got to a point where I was feeling healthy enough and physically able to do another surgery. So they went back in um, through my bottom and through my abdomen. They didn't touch really any of my intestines this time, but they used some of my abdominal muscle and some of my uh, thigh muscle to kind of patch up some of the work inside. Uh, so they used, um, they used that muscle to kind of close up the bottom area. And then again, my, abdo my abdominal wall. So that was good. Getting back, uh, um, again, healthy again, working out, was doing P90X for a little bit and different things, being on sports teams. So finally just kind of felt like myself, um, despite kind of the continued, not even setbacks, but just, you know, um, and some of those were, for the most part, optional surgeries. Again, I wanted, I didn't want to have an open wound on my bottom. I wanted to get it closed up for mm -hmm. any risk of further injury or infection. Um, so even in those times where I was constantly kind of going through some recoveries and I had a wound back for a little bit, um, which isn't pleasant sitting on a wound back or being on something like that. But uh, again, made it through. It makes me stronger. I always like to say like, you know, it always can be worse, even for my situation. I feel like things could always be worse. So I think just having that attitude and being positive uh, plays a huge role in just recovery and, again, maintaining kind of a positive mental health and attitude. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, yeah, so flash forward to about two years ago. Um, after that surgery where they kind of used some of my abdominal wall and muscles to patch me up, I was fully active, fully back to kind of, I guess I hate this term, but like living my best life and mm -hmm. what I wanted to do and in my career and, and channeling kind of all that, the positive stuff, I had started going to uh, Camp Oasis around that time and giving back. I just wanted to take all my experiences and use them for good because um, I did have such like a rough go with getting my Crohn's under control. I, I wanted to just channel all that and, and tell people and, and do whatever I could uh, so to make their experience a little better. Um, but because of my level of activity, I formed a hernia, uh, a pretty big one in my abdomen. And that finally got taken care of about two years ago. But they had to, again, go in through my abdominal scar tissue. So I've had the same uh, incision kind of scar tissue about five or six, five or six incision surgeries worth. So uh, knocking out of what hopefully done uh, done now. Um, but it's more of that, just me, like, I don't want to let the disease stop me. So in the gym, I'm, you know, going as hard as I can all the time. I don't, I don't want it to be, uh, you know, anyone to see it as like a negative or something, a limitation, even though there is some limitations, although they're minimal, uh, I'm, so, I'm sometimes my own worst enemy because I, I feel like I'm just trying to make up all this lost time over the years. So maybe oh it's maybe take an off day or rest day. like no like i feel good i need to go i want to go i gotta, I gotta go i gotta go so um but yeah other than that really feeling healthy i haven't been on any medication for the last i don't know at least three or four years um so for the, the good part of the ostomy is you know no symptoms you know, it's really just about still just maintaining you know good nutrition with what i eat and drink being hydrated drinking a lot of water um, but other than that, I, you know, I take some daily vitamins here or there, B12 and some stuff like that, that every person probably should take, but, mm -hmm. um, I, it's the sense of any prescribed medication. I'm, I'm currently not taking anything. That's awesome. Now, is there anything that you found you still have to stay away from with regard to food or do you just try to follow a clean diet? Is there anything you do now in order to help keep yourself on a good path? Yeah, uh, I mean, I have good days and bad days, just like anybody else. And especially now being in the culinary world, it's very hard to stick to a diet or, or try to live like a like a really clean, uh, healthy lifestyle. We eat pretty well during the week, but of course, like weekends come around and we're prone to having pizza or fried chicken or whatever it may be. So I think for even for that, food-wise, it's really just about balance. Um, so there's not really anything I don't eat. It's just more balance and moderation. So I'm not going to sit there and eat, you know, a huge, huge raw salad filled with a bunch of raw veggies and nuts and things like that. But 
I can eat, you know, I'll eat a small salad here or there, you know, at meals. I'll um, have popcorn even once in a while or nuts once in a while, but it's just, it's just in smaller quantities than probably most people uh, just for risk of, you know, blockage or things like that. But other than that, I pretty much can eat anything and everything. And worst case scenario is it's going to just make my output more active, but it's not going anywhere. It's just going into my osteo bag. So there's no more running to a bathroom, no pain, nothing like that. So the, the risk is, uh, it's kind of worth it these days. So tell me more about your journey into fitness. Was this something that had you always been big into working out the way that you are now? Or did this really kind of spark after the surgery once you were starting to feel like yourself again? Um, when did all that kind of start to culminate for you? Sure. It, 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 once I got healthy, it definitely kind of reignited my passion and just even having the energy kind of kind of lit that fire in me, but all through growing, I've always been active. I, I played soccer all through grade school and high school. Um, although not as active or a sport, I was in the, like the marching band and, and concert band, um, always playing kind of intramural sports when I could in college and kind of after playing softball, volleyball, anything like that. Um, and lifting weights here and there, but the, the sports were kind of more of my thing. But then once the surgeries took place, I kind of felt, um, you know, felt good about, you know, where I was health wise. I just didn't feel good immediately about just even like, not just my body image, but I, I hadn't been able to work out for a long time and I needed something uh, to kind of help me get back in, in shape. And, and I found fitness outside of intramural sports, but just fitness and being in the gym and, you know, the kind of just typical cardio and lifting and high interval training, things like that just really motivated me personally. Um, and I work out with a partner here, or there, a friend and stuff like that, but more times than not, I'm by myself and I just put my headphones on and, you know, I'm my, my biggest motivator, my biggest critic. Um, but I think really just knowing that now I, I have the ability both mentally and physically to accomplish things I want, like, I don't want, I'm not going to let it stop me. I'm not going to let my Crohn's be an excuse. I don't, you know, I, I want to be, um, you know, I guess I am a role model to a lot of people without me even knowing it. Um, and, and it's funny, not really funny, but when I, I have some memories of playing on sports teams and, you know, taking my shirt off after a summer softball game and, you know, a, a teammate was like, wait, like, like, what is that? And asked me about the ostomy and had no idea. And then, you know, it had this effect on them, like, like, oh man, like you like worked harder than me the whole year. Like you just went above and beyond. And like, and I, I'm nor you know, normal to them. I don't have any, you know, I have all my GI system and all that. So mm -hmm. I kind of use that as a motivator, you know, because people don't see it. They don't, you know, no one's judging you whether they see it or not. But even just on day to day with clothes on, no one knows you have an ostomy, you know. And so I, that's my internal motivator is it's just what keeps me going and, you know, wanting to be the best I can be or, you know, if it's a competition, beat the opponent or beat whoever I'm faced against, uh, whether they know. I might be at a, a, a disadvantage or not. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you more about advocacy in a minute and kind of sure. what you're doing there. But before we do that, with food and fitness both being big passions for you, tell me how your new company, New Dude Food, developed. How did that idea, it seems like you've been able to combine all your passions and turn this into just a phenomenal company. So tell me a little bit about the idea, how it got started, what it is and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is a passion for sure. I think uh, going back to my social work career that I was doing child abuse and neglect investigations for the city of Chicago for about 10 years, um, just the most strenuous emotionally and physically, you know, exhausting job. I could ever have picked with someone with Crohn's and some fatigue issues, but I really um, just, I, I loved doing it for the kids and 
trying to make people's lives better, whether it was, you know, it wasn't exactly with Crohn's kids for my, my day job or anything in the medical field, but it was just something, you know, again, that, that drive within me to, you know, just help people no matter what at its core was just, I want to help people in any way I can, whether it's from, you know, saving them from an abuse neglectful home to now cooking a meal and making them feel better, you know, emotionally, physically, and just bringing a smile to someone's face. So all those years in my day job, cooking was something I would come home to as a therapeutic outlet, creative outlet. Um, I had the, kind of the gym in the morning, I'd go to work and then at home I would cook for kind of hours on end and my business partner uh, is also my roommate, and that's kind of how the business works so well. Is because we're we're best friends, we're business partners. Um, so we would cook all those years together every night, four or five years, uh, or four or five hours, like a night sometimes. Even just us, we'd always have friends over, family, and you know, completely self taught, but just practice, 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 watching you know, things on Netflix or YouTube mm -hmm. and just trying uh, to go to the farmer's market and source new ingredients or buying something that we didn't know what it was, but it looked like a, a, a cool product. Like, let's try this new, you know, this different vegetable that we've never seen before or something like that. Uh, so it really just over those years turned uh, the passion for cooking really kind of took over as I was getting burnt out on my day job as a social worker. So we got to a point, it was 2016 where friends were like, Oh, you guys, you know, you guys need to open a restaurant. We were always hosting barbecues and, and get together. Any holiday we were with family. It was just known that like Ryan and Seth are like menu planning. They're doing all the cooking. We'll be their sous chefs, but let these guys do their thing. So, so in a culinary sense, our food was finally getting, um, you know, at then at the time, like some notoriety and some notice from people in Chicago area of like, wow, these are, even if they're close friends, like this is really good stuff. Um, so we're like, all right, the restaurant, I don't want to do, I'm done working like 15 hour days and busting my ass and cooking the same. I don't want to work in a kitchen and cook the same thing day in and day out. Like that's not what I'm passionate about. Um, you know, this private dining thing maybe was more intriguing where what we're doing now, having friends over and just really making it you know, an experience, not only with the food, but just sitting around the table with people sharing stories and, and just having a, a good meal, you know, that's kind of what we all envision and all grew up on. It's like family meal and sitting down with family or friends and just, you know, sharing bread, breaking bread, whatever you want to call it. So our idea was how do we take that, you know, on the road, if you will. So the first thing we thought of was like, again, we need a name, we need something, uh, you know, social media wise, how to get this brand, you know, out there. So we like to say, uh, we, you eat with your eyes first. So, mm -hmm. you know, if a food or a dish looks appealing or sexy when it comes out and it's plated well, you're already kind of salivating and thinking like, oh man, I can't wait to tear into whatever it is. So we're like, let's take that same idea with ourselves and with our business name. So Again, thinking Instagram, Facebook, you know, we need something that's catchy that if someone just saw that name, they would stop scrolling and be like, wait, what is that? You know more. <laughs> so, of course, uh, we had friends over and we we're just brainstorming. So it started as, you know, hot guys in the kitchen, tatted guys <laughs> cooking and it's really funny stuff. But it kind of seemed uh, too... Uh, uh, kitschy and it didn't really fit. So we just kind of kept going. So, you know, long story short, new dude food was said and instantly we're like, it just rhymed, it rolled off the tongue. You're like, it's, it's ambiguous, but like you hear the word nude and food and people are like, they have to know what it is. So mm -hmm. secured it thankfully on all forms of social media in 2016, it wasn't taken anywhere. Um, but then, you know, we didn't know exactly what to do with it. You know, my Crohn's background was a part of it, like the new kind of just being healthy, uh, but the food necessarily wasn't like raw or nude, but it did have a health aspect. So finally, when we decided to post, you know, friends again, it was like, just post something, just, you know, get it out there. You guys, you have a great idea, a great name. Now you just need an image. Uh, so we took our shirts off of all things to kind of <laughs> go along with the play on words so we were shirtless with aprons and pants and whatnot and took a picture and that was our first post and from there we started posting food pictures and pictures of us and within six months 
we started getting some uh, notoriety in the Chicago land area and started doing some TV appearances. So then we realized, oh, we, we need to be more than an Instagram handle to go on TV. So we trademarked the name. Uh, we formed an LLC because by then we realized like this could be potentially really something big. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is. Yeah. So now we're I, I quit my social work job. Actually, it's almost two years to the day as we're talking. Wow. It was, uh um, I put my like two weeks notice in around St. Patrick's Day, and then I think I even saw it on Facebook. Like we uh, were full time culinary. Now it's been about two years, so we took the risk. We we're having uh, some good like success, but I was starting to take time off my day job to work these events and things like that. So it got to the point where you know it warranted me to just kind of dive in, and I it was it was scary, but at the same time I just was ready for a change. I felt like I'd given so much of myself to uh, my social work career that I kind of owed this to myself and to to Seth, my business partner, to to really pursue it and and use my experience as a social worker, but also my health experience to inform people about healthy eating. And like I said, uh, you know, finally now knocking on doors to to work an event is very different feeling than knocking on doors to investigate, you know, child abuse or something. Mm -hmm. So uh, all those feelings, all those, um, you know, my social work skills and kind of building rapport and entertaining people, it's it's a much more positive environment now. And uh, it's been absolutely amazing. What a wonderful story. Just a, the accumulation of everything. I mean, how it's come together is just amazing. So you do, when you do the events, they are pretty interactive. Is that correct? You get your clients involved with some of the menu and the cooking, the planning? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we used to even actually sit down with some of our clients for our dinner parties. We'd cook the meal and sit and have a course with them. But as we got busier and busier, we kind of had to stay in the kitchen. But um, in that sense, a lot of the condos and the Chicago homes that we've cooked in, and nowadays all over the country, have a really open floor plan. So your kitchen is open, there's an island, it kind of opens up to the dining room, living room. So when we're there, we love to have people around us who want to get people involved, whether it's helping in the kitchen, asking about ingredients, taking pictures. Obviously, the business started and thrived and took off because of social media and our online presence. So any dinners we do, whatever the type of dinner it is, we encourage people, yeah, come take pictures with us, you know, post, you know, on your social media, tag us. That's almost all of our business, even to this day, Mm -hmm. is still word of mouth and referrals. Um, And with our, my background and my roommate's background was he was a musician. So we're just we're just very social and we want that experience for people. We want, we want it to be communal, just kind of like those dinners we did when we were having friends over. We want to have, we want that feeling to be um, kind of displayed and embraced with our clients, whether it's a bachelorette party, whether it's a corporate event, whether it's a, a cooking class, we want people to feel included and special and be able to comfortable asking questions, whether they're, uh, at home cook, where they have no cooking skills, where they can outcook us on the table. We just want, <laughs> that's kind of the thing that we feel separates us outside of the image. No mm-hmm. one's really doing that that we know, of. but um, just being personable and just being in the, you know, in the kitchen and being in the space with them and entertaining, you know, for us, it's, it's a lot about the food. We source everything locally, organically, and want it to be uh, the best food they've ever had, but also we want the experience as a whole to be something that they're never going to forget. So now we'll have, you know, maybe a server with us or an extra guy that he can make sure that, you know, we're, you know, keeping drinks flowing and entertaining. And so it just, it's all about the ambiance, the service, the food, um, kind of the whole package. What a fun job. It probably doesn't even feel like work, does it? Uh, sometimes, but not often. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the fun thing, but also challenging thing is we're, we don't have uh, a brick and mortar kitchen. We're not mm-hmm. at a restaurant. So we're, our, our office space is something different every night, if not more than, you know, once a night, we're in a kitchen, a new kitchen, we'll go to your home, your Airbnb, we'll host some stuff out of our lofts. Uh, but it's a challenge being in a new space every single night, working in a different kitchen, not knowing kind of how, 
how this oven works or mm-hmm. how this stovetop is going to play out and things. So it, it's, it's a challenge to us, but at the same time, uh, the beauty of the business is us coming to you. We're coming to your home where you're comfortable with your friends, family, whatever the occasion may be. And you don't have to do anything. We'll, you know, entertain, we'll cook. We'll, and the biggest thing is we'll clean too. So people are kind of shocked, like, wait, you guys are going to like do the dishes. <laughs> I'm like, well, we scrub the sink. I'm like, well, yeah, we're not going to, you know, leave it any worse than we saw. Usually we even leave it cleaner than anything. So that gets a lot of pictures and attention, even just cleaning up. They're like, oh my gosh, like get a picture of that. And I'm like, I'm not even cooking anymore. But yeah, so it's been great. How funny. It's full service. <laughs> so, Absolutely. So in one of your posts, I believe, you mentioned that you travel around the country doing this and you're also advocating advocating at the same time for Crohn's and colitis. So tell me a little bit more about that. For sure. Yeah. So the travel, the travel with the business um, is primarily private dinners, events, uh, again, because of the image and the branding, we do a lot of bachelorette parties and celebratory events like that, which again, usually being surrounded by women, isn't a bad thing. So it's not, it's not (laughs) a bad gig to have. Um, but again, longevity for the business and we don't want to be labeled just as like bachelorette party chefs or things like that because of that image and TV appearances in that uniform, we really use it as a talking point of health and wellness. And so then personally it comes along, you know, oh, like, you know, I've had Crohn's, you know, for this many years, I've had an ostomy and and depending on the vibe of the night, like how much of that story comes out, but at, at the basis, it's just like look, we started this business. We want to have a way to show people that you can eat well and feel sexy. Like you can eat good food and still feel internally good and not have all those symptoms. You know, if you went out and had like a really bad meal or had some upset stomachs, like we want to cook good food and leave you feeling well also. Um, so through that and through, again, social media and just my connections with the Crohn's and Colitis community, um, I, I spoke at Hollister World Ostomy Day last, uh, like last late summer, I think, out in a suburb of Chicago, their home offices. And I spoke in front of 500 people about my experience with disease and how I've been able to kind of similar to kind of to this interview, just how I've had to use my personal background and, and knowledge to advocate and just, you know, put all my knowledge and skills to, to good use to help others. So now through cooking, um, similar to like the social work career that I was in now, it's kind of been nice to have those two worlds collide and, and not only educate people on healthy eating, but also, um, you know, just kind of some lifestyle changes that, you know, through cooking and having an active lifestyle, you know, you can rem- remedy a lot of problems that people have. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sounds like you've, evolved and grown into this role as an advocate from even just as you were talking about being younger and playing sports with your shirt off and teaching your friends about an ostomy. Do you think there was one moment that you realized I'm an advocate for this or this is something I need to be an advocate for or did you just kind of evolve into it? Yeah, it's both of those actually. So the biggest moment and I'll never forget it, I was already an advocate. So I, I, I've been a volunteer at the Crohn's and Colitis uh, summer camp for kids called Camp Oasis. This will be my 11th year uh, this summer. I just signed up. Wow. I'm be, now, the last couple of years, I've been the mental health director because of my, my personal um, background and have a license to do therapy and whatnot. So my first seven or eight years, I just was a counselor. And some of those years, I, I was even myself going through some uh, recovery from surgeries, but I, I, I wanted, and I had a limited role at that time, but even just being a part of that community and being around, you know, a camp surrounded by kids and, and professionals and other counselors that have this disease was the biggest support system anyone could ever want. So um, I remember in particular one year, and the funniest thing is I didn't even know this happened until after camp that a colleague of mine told me about this experience and that pretty much probably changed my, not changed my life forever, but just, it just, it's something I'll never forget. So we're down at the waterfront. I'm totally oblivious to what's going on across me. And there's a kid that didn't want to go into the water. He's probably like eight or nine. He was talking with a good friend and counselor, a friend of mine. And he's like, oh, like he didn't even have an ostomy. He just had some scars. But here I am on the other side of the beach, totally unaware of what's going on. And I just 
take my shirt off, ask me at all, run into the water, jumping and swimming around. And so as, as he, this young, uh, camper was like, no, I don't want to say I'm scared. I'm mm-hmm. nervous. Like, I don't want to see my scar. She looks and sees me, you know, just not letting it stop me and, and made it aware to him. Like, look, like there's counselor Ryan, you know, he has an ostomy and look, he's in the pool. Like he's in the, in the, the lake and all this. And seeing that this kid was like, all right, well, if Ryan can do it, then I can do it. And so gets in the water and never had a problem. Um, and I, so I didn't even know that that happened or I had that effect on this, this camper until after camp that year. Uh, and it was just, yeah, it, it gave me like the best feeling. And, and for me, really, it was just, because I didn't even do anything in my eyes. I just was being my normal self and had this impact. And so it really inspired me even after those early years at camp, specifically after that year, uh, the counselor who was with that kid, um, it just really encouraged us and motivated us. So we actually started a support group. And so we led that for like five years in Chicago outside of summer camp um, because we just we realize how even just our experiences with the disease and then my personal experience and professional background as a licensed therapist, like we just, we have to, I have to do more. I have to do more. And so I did that. I led the support group and founded it for, and did that for about five years. And then it was kind of, it kind of ran its course. Um, but that was kind of the moment. Yeah. That was the biggest moment that reaffirmed, like, this is what I'm, this is what I need to do. Um, so yeah, it wasn't ever, you know, a full-time, gig it's i still like i said camp runs every summer for about a week i do some of the training and some of the prep work for it um but even in my day-to-day life and even in the new dude food kind of business um it's something i'm i'm constantly thinking about i'm talking about with every client we have just whether it's even whether it's crohn's or ibd related you know you know it's it's even just health and wellness yeah all about eating well and taking care of your body and just trying to live a a healthy lifestyle as best as you can. What a great story. I got goosebumps as you were sharing your story (laughs) about the moment. Very cool. So do you think that all this time being an advocate, do you think it's shaped your own view of life with the disease or just Crohn's disease in general? It has. uh, And it seems kind of silly, but for me, it, it's, yeah, I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, but it's, it's changed my life for the better in so many ways. It's, it's hard to even remember sometimes, but just the biggest thing for me and, and a lot of it is just my, my attitude and outlook on life and positivity, even in those really, really tough times of recovery. I, I always, you know, I never gave up. I, it was always positive. I always felt that it could be worse. Even if I was laying in a hospital bed thinking I'm never going to be able to walk again or play sports and do this or that. I never had, I never had those moments. I knew that it was really tough, but if, if it was gonna, if I wanted to get better, it was up to me and I needed to just kind of stay positive and take it kind of one day at a time. Um, so then that kind of translate, you know, that personal history and that physical overcoming of pain and all of these things, into my day-to-day life, it's like, you know, you get, you know, in bad traffic or you have a bad day, but then you, you, I personally would go back to thinking about being inpatient in the hospital or having so much pain. I'm like, wait, like this bad traffic or it's bad weather. Like, and in, in the scheme of things that really isn't anything to worry about and all, you know, there's, there's no reason to stress over things like that. So I think in my current situation and how it plays out in my day-to-day, like, nothing bothers me it's almost like to a fault where i'm like so even keel it's like hard for it like i I don't really get ever depressed about Mm -hmm. anything or down because i've had these extreme life experiences that just changed my outlook and and made me see you know the world and and just be thankful for waking up every day or having you know having the ability to be active in the gym or to eat what I want and be thankful for just everything I've been given or everything I've earned and worked for. Um, yeah. So that's the biggest thing for me, I guess, is just my positivity despite going through all this. Cause yeah, you could hear this story and be like, Oh my gosh, like I could never do what he did or I could, you know, I would, I would have given up a long time ago, but and I think a lot of people may have, but you know, it's just something that was never an option for me. Mm-hmm. There's never a chance never a time that I was going to let this disease um, 
run my life or define me. If anything, I always say it's, it's a part of me and it's, it's been a blessing in disguise because because of this ostomy and my history with Crohn's, I've, I've formed a huge, you know, even bigger support system and, and done so much. Um, and there's always more to be done, but it's, it's been a blessing in disguise because it's opened up, you know, my world to so much more. And what a great role model that you're serving as too, to just be able to, I know you've said you keep a positive mindset and you've always had this determination, but it's so important for other people to see that too. And I think sometimes that spiral, we can just spiral downward if we're not careful. And so to be able to look at someone else and see the challenges they've overcome and the positivity is just an incredible gift. So thank you for doing that and being that. Of course. Yeah, I try. Like I said, I mean, everyone's journey is different. Um, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But, you know, if even just sharing my story and my history can help one person, you know, that's that's a win for me. And again, I don't even most times see myself as a role model or an advocate. I'm just I'm just being me. I'm being myself Mm -hmm. and living, you know, day to day. But because of what I've been through in my my history and my experiences, you know, it kind of makes me, I guess, a role model in some of those senses. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for it. I, I, I'm always trying to do more. I think that's part of my personality, whether I have this disease or not is, you know, what can I do? There's always something that can be done for, for others, uh, whether it's in health and wellness and fitness, um, whatever it may be, I, I'm, I'm there for, you know, I think that's one characteristic that, most of my friends or family would say is, you know, I would give you the shirt off my back, even if there's the only shirt I had or something like that. Just it's something that has been instilled in me when I was raised and just to, to work hard and give everything you can. And now finally, again, being healthy is just something that's just like ignited in me and I, I can't turn it off. So mm-hmm. you have definitely been living a life of helping others from pretty much everything that you've been doing. <laughs> pretty, pretty awesome. So is there anything that you wish people knew about Crohn's and colitis, but they don't? Um, you know, I, you know, now that I've been kind of in this place, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not in the doctor as, as much as I would, thankfully, you know, there's always things that they're evolving. I think for my biggest advice that I can remember from my therapy days and the support group is, um, you know, even this podcast and social media and having a support group is is great, but there's there's no one all end all be all fixed. You know, everyone's body is different. There's every diet's different. You know, what works for me may not work for you. So I think just to kind of take uh, take that into consideration, you know, and be at the end of the day, just be your biggest advocate. You know, read up and educate yourself. You know, go to your doctor and be prepared to ask a lot of questions. Um, to empower yourself and to, to try because no one knows your body more than yourself. So whether you're a teenager, whether you're an adult, you know, just don't be afraid to ask questions, uh, but also do your homework, you know, you know, but be aware and be wary of where you're getting this information. You know, if it's an, an Instagrammer that you have no idea and they have a completely different lifestyle than you, you know, that medication may not work for you. Um, you know, so just again, be your biggest advocate, do your homework, uh, and then outside of that, it's just really your your mental health. Make sure you take care of yourself in that that sense and be positive. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all have bad days. But as long as your your good days are better, more than your, your, your down days, you know, it's okay to be down for a little bit here or there. But um, surround yourself with like-minded people and don't be afraid to, to lean on your support system also. That is fantastic advice. Very good advice. Thank you. So if people want to learn more about New Dude Food or just keep up with you and your journey, where can they find you online? Yeah, the biggest the biggest uh, and easiest way is really Instagram. So Instagram at Nude Dude Food. Uh, and then we have a Facebook page and we have a website. All Everything is under New Dude Food. If you search or Google Nude Dude Food, we should pop up and all over the place. Um, me personally, I have an Instagram. It's literally, it's just my first initial it's R and then my last name, which is Van Voris, V-A-N-V-O-O-R-H-I-S. Um, 
Well, yeah, I get DMs like this from you to, <laughs> to be a part of the podcast. I, uh, I get DMs kind of from all over the world and languages. I don't even know uh, what they are sometimes asking questions, but, you know, I, I do my best to answer all of them and, and be, you know, a role model, even on my social media, whether it's through kind of posting workouts or, or recipes or food or kind of what I'm doing day to day. Uh, you know, now with social media, you know, you're, everyone's watching, you never know mm -hmm. who's watching. And that's the thing that is kind of nice also is, you know, I, I don't know who's watching sometimes or who followers are, you get new followers. And, you know, a lot of it has been through the Crohn's and, and Clytus community. And it's been great to even build my online support system with people kind of all over the world that I've maybe never met personally, but uh, we have some similarities and backgrounds and it's, it's nice to kind of have someone in your life um, that has been through it as well outside of your kind of your personal support system. So yeah, social media is great. Awesome. Well, I will grab all those links and I will put them in the show notes so that anyone who's listening can go straight to them. And is there anything that I didn't ask today that you wanted to share? I don't think so. I think you did uh, a, a very thorough, great job. I don't know uh, how yeah. long we're supposed to be talking, but it was, uh, it was awesome. We covered a lot. It was Good. awesome. Yeah. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for sharing your journey with me today and helping to raise more awareness for Crohn's and colitis. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Crohn's Fitness Food Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have an IBD story, either as a patient or a family member that you'd like to share as a guest on this podcast, or if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email at Crohn'sFitnessFood at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about me and my Crohn's journey, follow me on Instagram using at Crohn'sFitnessFood or visit my blog for in-depth articles about my struggles and victories with Crohn's through diet, fitness, and lifestyle at www.cronesfitnessfood.com. And finally, remember, be strong, be grateful, and be the warrior that you are.